Hello and welcome back to Where Are All My Friends. Uh, damn, you guys, this is a good episode. I'm, I'm hype on this one. Uh, this is a guest that is just so perfect for this show. Um, he too has a podcast. His name is Ben Farber. He has a podcast called How the Fuck Do I Blank? And he also works in a very uh, cool side of the music industry. He works at Warner Brothers Records. He used to work at Pandora, and before that, he worked at a digital marketing agency. So it is a side of music that is not on the artist side, but he just has so many gems and such good knowledge in all of this. Like, I wanted to keep the episode short, and it, he just had too much good information, and it was such a good conversation with so many like actionable, real things that you can apply to life, and he has such a relatable story to being in spots where he really didn't know what to do and how that worked out. Um, I just like, I have so much respect for Ben, and he told his story so well, so I apologize for it being a little bit of a longer episode, but I think that as you listen through, you'll understand why and uh you'll just take so much away from it so i think that pretty much introduces it uh, i want to keep this short um i really hope you like it if you do obviously share the episode all that good stuff but let's crack into it let's have some fun with this one i, I really really think you're gonna like it so here we go This is Ben Farber, and you are listening to Where All My Friends Podcast with my man, Andrew Cram. Yeah, that was fucking cool. I like that. <laughs> that was real good. <laughs> oh, fuck. No, dude, I'm so excited for this one because, I mean, at least for me, I've always thought about doing the podcast. It's been a thing that I've wanted to do for so long, and I don't know out of anything that I've had like anxiety or apprehension for, I just couldn't commit to it. And then... I didn't even know that you were working on one. And then there was just this social media post where like it was completely done and it was just up and there's like four episodes. And I was like, oh my God. And I listened and then it was good. And I was like, whoa, this is like legit, legit. And I don't know what that was, but like seeing just a real friend like you just casually get it done so well, I was like, I need to go do this. So. You were a huge inspiration for me on that. So dude, I love that we're sitting down right now. Yeah, dude, me too. I mean, I'm very appreciative of that. Like my whole thing was I, I've always wanted to do a podcast. I, I thought that it would be a really great opportunity to, to ha make a platform that you can connect with people in a different way because I love connecting with people. And it, it was kind of the same thing. It, was, it got to a point where like Marta and I were sitting um, in our living room and we were like, we need to, we, we, we talk about all of these things already. Like we're Dude. already potting, just having conversations. That's what it is. Right? So like, why can't we just fucking turn mics on and talk and, and see what happens? And so yeah. I don't know what it was. It was kind of like the spiral thing where Marta and I were like, we just like set up. She was like, I'm coming to LA. We're going to set up time and let's get two guests. And it was like, all of a sudden we're in a recording studio recording two guests. And then, you know, we... We needed a design. We were not design people. We needed help. And we like reached out to friends and they were like, yeah, we had a great friend, Jeff Ho, who put together our whole look and feel and made us like, wow, this is legit. Like when we yeah. saw it, we were like, holy shit, this is like professional. Dude, I don't know about you, but did you experience the feeling of like you put it out there and you're almost ready for the resistance of the opposition or like getting the art to be hard or people not to be down? 
And then you're hit with like a surprising amount of support that's very fast and very real where yeah. all your friends were like, yeah, I got you. And then it's done and you're like, well, fuck, I guess I have to do this. Now. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's scary, man. I mean, like you're putting yourself out there. Yeah. And the other thing too is, is like you're, you're, you're pod, like everyone is podcasting. There's hundreds of content coming at people every single day. And my whole fear was like, why would anyone listen to my podcast to begin with when there's so much other competition coming at you? And what I realized was like, who the fuck cares who's going to listen? You know, yeah. like, you know, it, it, you're, I'm putting it out there for myself yeah. um, with the hopes that I'm going to be adding value to other people's lives. That's like yeah. the biggest thing for me was like, it doesn't matter if five people listen to this or if this inspires one person. Like the fact that I put my pod out there and then you as a friend are all of a sudden potting to me. For me, I've done what I wanted to do. You know, like from here, it's just like, dude, that's fucking awesome. Like, dude. and now we're here making more content. I'm being part of another podcast. And like, this thing is just like rolling. Dude, I like, I feel that's so heavy. And it's like, we talk about this all the time where like, the internet is awesome. And like the community that we are part of is awesome. But there is also like the downside of like, things feel fleeting and it's like so much of social media is just like this temporary sweet brag. And like, we're always talking about building a community and like adding like just something more tangible, like some type of actual support and all that. Yep. And at least for me out of like any of like the content that you can make or anything like that, podcasts just feel like so, like it just feels like you're actually helping or actually adding something and not just being like, look, I'm standing in front of this or whatever. And like, I don't know, like there's no you don't actually get anything from it. It's not like you get like an award or like, I don't, you just like put it out there. And like, for some reason that's really satisfying. Yeah, I totally agree. And like, to your point, social media are just quick hits of adrenaline, you know, like, yeah. adren uh, uh, what's dopamine? the dopamine, thank yeah, you, yeah. <laughs> you know, and like people like getting likes and stuff, but like this kind of content to me is something that people will want to come back to you. will continue to want to consume. And like, for me, it's like when I'm, when I'm gone, there's there's content that like will live on, you know, Dude, for me, you know, actually, like that's crazy. You say that because it's like a little bit morbid, but at the same time, I feel you like it's yeah. cool to know. It's like, oh, cool. Like this is something that I put out that I believed was positive and cool that is there forever. Right. That value will always be there. And like to think like my kids one day will be Dude. like listening to us chat about this is like whole, that's fucking crazy that's awesome and i'm glad i can like provide that so and it's just a casual moment of time it really is it really is in time but yeah you know it's just like the new new age of blogging that's all it is it's so good and everyone should be doing it right. everyone should be having com you know positive conversations and recording them yeah because people want to hear people want to be a part you know yeah it's cool it's like you don't realize how many people support what you're doing until you just start talking about it and then i don't know it's like it's really encouraging it is i agree with you so um if the listeners haven't deduced you do have a podcast but why don't you tell me for anybody that doesn't know you or like what should people know about you like who are you shit um well i uh i'm originally from san francisco uh i've lived in la now for 11 years um i work in the music business i work in warner brothers records uh, my whole career and interests have been around music and tech and um i mean i don't know what what what, uh, what should i tell them what do the listeners want to know about me <laughs> well i have like a general idea like i definitely want to get into your story but i think that was perfect like yeah. just like a, a brief little a little description yeah I'm, it's always tough because like i've done a couple podcasts now where i'm a guest and yeah. they're always like so tell us about yourself or, 
And I'm just like, I've tried different forms of like, well, I grew up in San Francisco when I was, when I was 11, I was a skateboarder. So I've like, I'm still yeah. trying to define how I like, who are you? Pitch, yeah, you know what I mean? I feel like that's part of like, as you start to just talk about yourself, you almost have to like write your bio of like, how do I introduce myself? Like, here's my quick one. Dude, you're here's right. the one sheet. I should have like a quick, like three bullets of like, this is what I do. This is where I live. Dude, you know what I mean? I remember one of my first like legit jobs uh, was like dental sales consulting. And the dude that I worked with, like I learned so much from him, but he did a lot of like, uh, not like motivational speaking, but like he like did like seminars and training. And every time, dude, he had his story like clockwork. Tight, like, yeah. It, and it like was kind of copy paste, but it was like necessary. Like totally. it wasn't cheesy. Totally. So that's funny. That's, that's, yeah, that's kind of funny to hear because like, it's like you could tell that it's like structured, but at the same time, it's exactly what you want to hear and want to move on to find out like the real value. Yeah, like you, you know need I mean? it to get going. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But no, you did great. And uh, with the format of this show, like I definitely, I, I find it so intriguing to go back to like early days and formative years uh, that kind of just like distinguish, like, I mean, we all kind of start in some place, like going to school, finding our interests, whatever. So like, I don't know, like take me back to like high school, Ben, like you said, you're from San Francisco. Yep. Uh, like what were you like skateboarding or yeah I I mean uh, I so I lived in Sausalito California which was uh, right north of the Golden Gate Bridge okay Um, we lived in a really nice cottage home I I have a brother I have a sister um, and we that that's that was the beginning of my life and there is where like my formative years of skateboarding really became prominent I would skate all around town um, and I don't really know how I also got into punk but like it, it obviously just like bridge. Like I started skateboarding. I, I don't even like remember. Like as soon as I was out of the womb, I was like I wanted to skateboard. Damn. Um, and I was very. Uh, I like to play sports a lot. So I played a ton of sports. I played basketball, um, soccer as well was a big sport of mine. So like, I oh, oh and also my mom never allowed us. My mom and my dad never allowed us to have video games. So I was. I don't want to say forced, but there was nothing else to do except be outside. Oh, whoa, um, yeah. And I I, I, uh, I I, appreciate that, that I didn't have video games. I mean, now I like to game a lot. <laughs> I think that's like probably why. But it really forced me to kind of go outside and, and be active. So that's kind of like where my, I guess, I, I, I look at myself now is I love being outdoors. I love being, you know, I play soccer now. I play basketball. I still try and skateboard. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, those kind of like, those were those. That was my childhood. I I, I went to, um, you know, a, a school in the city. So we commuted every single day into the city, um, and a lot of the time it was me and my friends just like passing CDs around, and like we were we'd start talking about music, and um, you know, from there I would say, uh, man, like seventh grade is when like I really started to define exactly who I was as just like a kid, like. It was like I got a dude ranch tape. Yo, like the tape. A tape. The tape. The tape. My buddy Glenn, he gave it to me, and that like changed my life, dude. Um, and so yeah, like that's where pop punk really grew. I continued to skateboard. So then when I got into high school, high school was very interesting because I actually went to boarding school. Oh, whoa. So, yeah, so... And what, were you, like, a bad kid? Or yeah, like a, a lot of people like, say that. A lot of people ask that, actually. <laughs> it, I think it was because my parents divorced. Oh, yeah, let's turn this off. Sorry, my uh, fan... We're in my apartment right now, and my fan is going. 
This is sick. I love like we were talking about this before it started and just like being portable with the whole podcast setup. Yeah, dude. And uh, Cram has got this portable legit setup that we're in my it's it's like official. I was excited to try it and it seems good. It's a good vibe. It is. a. It, this is a great vibe. Dude. It feels portable because like your guest could be feel super comfortable. How the fuck do I turn this thing off? <laughs> That could be a how the fuck episode. It, right? How, how the fuck do you work your new uh, thermostat system? It's not the end of the world. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, okay, anyways, so you go to a boarding school, and I was asking, like, were you a bad kid? Yeah, okay, yeah. So, um, so no, I was not a bad kid. Uh, I, I rarely got in major trouble or anything like that. Um, I went because my parents got divorced, and I think it was an opportunity for them to kind of just uh, put me in a, in a good environment while we were going through life changes oh so like almost to like not expose you to like all the turmoil that would go along with that yeah i mean i don't think it was ever said like that but looking back on it i think it was kind of a way for for them to kind of protect me from it all um which i'm appreciative of i also i you know they suggested it and i went to go visit and i was like this is cool yeah. So uh, I wanted to as well. Okay. Cool. Um, and it was it was awesome. It was called Kate. It was in Santa Barbara or Carpinteria, exactly. So it's funny because I've been in LA for eleven years, and then I was in high school down here for four years. Um, you know, north of my thirties. So I've been in Southern California for half my life, and Northern California for half my life, which is crazy. Besides Whoa. my college. Where'd you go to college? I went to college uh, at a small school called Ohio Wesleyan in the middle of buttfuck Ohio. Wait, so... (laughs) Let's get this question out of the way because I know what you're about to ask me. grow up in beautiful-ass California. You end up in L.A. I know. The obvious question is why Ohio? Why would you go to Ohio? Yeah. (laughs) That is the number one question that I've been getting asked ever since I stepped foot on that school in 2004. So, (laughs) Welcome to this university. We can't tell you that this education is going to get you anything in particular, but we can tell you that everyone is going to ask why Ohio? 100%. (laughs) And and honestly, it's a crazy story because I did not visit the school before I showed up. What? Yeah. So... Ultimately, like I was, I never had great grades. My big issue was that I'm a terrible test taker. Mm. I can't take tests for my life. Um, you know, I I was not, you know, I was not a straight A student. Um, maybe even not really B. Like I was, a, I was a BC student. Mm-hmm. And so when it time when it came time for college, you know, for me, I, I wasn't motivated to be like I really want to go to X school. Or, mm-hmm. or, you know, I was just like, okay, what's coming next? Sure. And fortunately, Kate provided me, um, you know, teachers and mentors to kind of guide me to get me to the right place. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, like, I didn't really know where that was. So I was, they suggested a bunch of schools for me. And I was like, do you think I could get in with these grades? And they pushed, they got me into a, into a place where, uh, you know, I could get in, I had chances at these schools. My first choice was Colorado College. I didn't get into that, but I wanted to go to Colorado College because I wanted to snowboard for four years. Fucking sick. And like California, Californians, I feel like if you're going to move to any state other than California, it's Colorado. I kind of feel you on that, yeah. Right? Because Colorado's fucking dope. Um, but I didn't get in, and I got into a couple schools in Ohio. Yeah. And like they were just check boxes off my common app. Sure. And I got into Ohio Wesleyan, and I was like, well, you know, I don't have a lot of options. And 
you know, my parents are like, you're going to college. Okay. That was my question because like, if you were that impartial, I feel like a lot of times people could just be like, all right, well, fuck college. I'll just do something out here. Yeah. There, so that's interesting. To me. Yeah. There was, there was no way that my parents would, would ever allow me to have done that for sure. And, and like you had a good enough relationship with your parents. You had a good enough family where you weren't really the kid that was like, fuck what you think, whatever. Like you were just like, okay, yeah. Like you took care of me. Like I'll go to college. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I wanted to, I knew like it was ingrained in me from, from my family and, and friends like you're going to finish college. Yeah. And I knew that that was going to be a very important thing to, to do for my career. And looking back on it, I'm very grateful that I did get through it because a lot of people, you know, don't. Well, it's interesting, right? Like, cause you said like you're in your thirties now, early thirties, but like, even for me, I'm 28 and I feel like it's shifting more and more with every generation where college is more of an option. Mm -hmm. So like for me, like I felt like I was kind of like the, the weird kid for not going. Mm -hmm. Uh, or for only going for, you know, I went for like a semester or whatever. And I was like, eh, not so much. But like, I feel like definitely generations ago, like there wasn't, it wasn't like a, you don't go to college. You have a choice. It's like, yeah, you go to college. For sure. So if your parents had any type of like those traditional values and all that, like I do get it. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's almost weird to be like, yo, that's weird. Why'd you go to college now? Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I look at it this way, like college and, and boarding school, looking back on it, pretty much made me who I am. So just because I didn't have the grades, mm -hmm. those those two uh, uh, times in my life have pretty, like I, I was put in two situations where I went to Kate, not knowing very many people, thrown into a dorm and like, all right, go make friends. Oh. And then I didn't know a fucking single soul when I got to Ohio and it was like, go make friends. And now I look at it and I recognize that I have skills that I didn't realize I had when I was at these places that like, I can talk to anyone. You can put me in any single room now and I'll be okay. You can leave me alone. Like I I've realized that these types of experiences have, have really grown, like built me up. So that's what I really took away from college wow. was like, it, it taught me discipline. It, it taught me like, you know, it's important to, to stay focused, go to class and like it, those kind of things, like get up in the morning and make your bed and shit. Yeah. And those kind of skills now, it, now that I'm in the real, you know, I've been 12 years in like the real world. Yeah. Um, have translated like in so many different ways, like in, at Kate, I had to make my bed every morning and teachers would come by and literally like check like, yeah. Hi Cosmo. Um, cause is cause is here. Um, and he is breathing heavily if you hear him on the mic. So sorry about that. I'm trying to push him away, but he wants to be a part of this. He's the cutest. He's the goodest boy. He is the goodest boy. Um, yeah, he's a good boy. Um, so, but no, that's, you know, it's kind of crazy. Like, uh, you know, and, and so yeah, they would come and they would, they would check your room to make sure. And now I'm a fucking neat freak. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. so, you know, those experiences, I guess, like, I'm, I'm appreciative of them because, yeah, I didn't have grades, but, like, I got the fucking diploma. Yeah. I look at it that way, like, I finished. Yeah. And that's that's all that matters in Dude, this life, you know? I just, like, you kind of blew my mind there because, like, when I first met you, before I even knew what you did or anything, like, music career-wise, like, aside, it is like that social skill that you have. Like, it's like one of those things where it's just like, oh yeah, put Ben in a room and he'll do great. And it's almost like, I don't even think about it, right? It feels so natural when I see you just existing, but that is absolutely a skill you need to develop. And I feel like college gets hated on, it's to some amount, I mean, yeah. not everyone, but like 
I just love that like that's not typically the answer that you'll hear from somebody saying, I went to college, I went to boarding school and here's what I got from it. But that's a very like self-aware answer. And like, I kind of love that because yeah. that skill, it's like, okay, cool. Yeah, like maybe you don't have, I don't know, like some super technical degree, but like the fundamental skill there of social skills applies to literally everything. And that's crazy to hear, like, that's where you feel you got it. Yeah, well, you know, I, I, I still to this day question, like, a lot of, like, okay, what am I good at? You know, if when I'm sitting in a room, I'm all, you know, with, with a lot of very creative and smart people, and I'm very fortunate that I've had experiences where I sit in rooms and I'm like, shit, like, I'm in sitting down with a lot of people. Where, how do I fit in? How do <laughs> I contribute? And, you know, I've, I've kind of, like, honed in on where I'm good at and how can I excel at that? That's, yeah. that's the thing for me is like, you know, I, I, for me, it's like, I'm good at, I, I like to treat people with respect, empathy, be the person to make, you know, be the connector. Yeah. And I've recognized that that has gotten me to where I am here, you know, to this day. And yeah. for some reason it seems to be working out well. So I just want to just hone in on that and then also recognize where did those skills come from? So like, good. how did I become who I was? And I think it's just the path that, you know, going to boarding school and college and then coming down here and like, that's sick. Yeah, it's crazy. And then coming, you know, when, when, once I graduated college, yeah, that was my was next one, question. Yeah, so we can you. transition quickly. Let's like, go. This guy's I, a natural. <laughs> um, so I was sophomore year. My mom was like, okay, it's time for you to figure out like what you're going to do next. Yeah. Um, and my mom is a very career driven woman. What's um, she do? Okay. So my mom is a banker. Um, and she, she's from San Francisco and she's always been very career focused for us. That's why we were like, you're going to go to school. You're going to finish college. You're going to get a job. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of what she's instilled in all three of us. Um, and so, uh, she was like, you need to figure out what's next. And the, I honestly, I, I went to college. Again, it was another thing of like, I'm just kind of going with the flow of life. I was like, shit, now I have to think about what's next. I, I'm, I, I like to live in the moment as much as possible. Yeah. And sometimes like now, I, I'm, now I'm thinking, okay, five, 10 year plans now that I'm a little bit older. But back then I was like free for all, you know? So it was, um, I was like, shit, mom. Like, I really don't know what I want to do, you know? And, and she was like, I remember we were on the phone together and she was like, well, you love music. Music has always been a huge part of your life. Um, and so uh, I was like, well, shit. She was like, what about the music business? I was like, music business? Never even like thought of music as like a business. Like never. And, uh, and then it kind of hit me. Like I was like, well, where should I begin? And I was fortunate enough to have a family friend who works at Interscope. Oh, wow. And so my mom put me in touch with him and he helped me get an internship at Interscope. So you started straight internship. Internship, straight right in. Um, What's it that was, like? It was, uh, well, it was a different time. Yeah. So this was 2006 at Interscope um, yeah. in the marketing department. And I think now, like, looking at interns at Warner Brothers and, um, it, it, you know, I don't, I don't want to talk badly on it because my mentor, Tony, um, who uh, I worked for both summers at Interscope, and now he's one of my best friends, um, and is also married to Marta. Oh, that's yeah, crazy. So there's, the, there's the connection. I feel like there. that'll connect even more as we go through your story. Yeah. And I want to hear about him. Yeah, that's Tony's crazy. the that's man. Awesome. Yeah, we'll talk about him for sure. So, Wait, I anyways. have one quick question. Yeah, hit me. When you started at Interscope with marketing, did you get to pick that or was it straight up music business? Fuck me up with it, fam. Great question. 
I don't, I think it was because when I was speaking to them during my interview, they asked me, you know, like they were, we talked about, I don't really remember exactly, honestly, but I remember just telling them, uh, I'd have a business degree or I'm working on a business degree and I'm looking for something that kind of fits the, like, where do you think I could go with mm -hmm. that? And I remember them saying like marketing would be a good place. And again, it was kind of like, I, I understood what marketing was, but like on it, honestly, I was like, yeah, sounds good. Like I'll do it. Okay. I so. just think that's important because I think that like when you're at the point of trying to figure out what you want to do, you overthink it so much where you're like, well, it says marketing. Should I apply? Should I do it? And it's like, now it doesn't matter, right? Like all you say is internship and it doesn't, it literally doesn't matter to anyone that hears like, oh, cool, Interscope, whatever. Yeah. So I think that's important to just like take that barrier away and be like, you can go start somewhere and try anything and like your work will shine through and your talent will shine through and like you'll end up in that right spot. Absolutely, dude. Like you nailed it on the head. And I, I tell this to everyone, like, like I have some regrets of not taking bigger risks when I was 21, 22. Like, you know, I see, you know, people like yourself that like will just fucking move across country and just see what happens, you know, or <laughs> internally I'm dying. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm yeah. sure. Or you, you, you know, you're ready to quit your job and pursue yeah. <laughs> like your real passion. Yeah. And you know, for me, I'm much more like I didn't move. I was not going to move to L.A. until I had a job. Yeah. You know, and so like I I didn't take as many risks that like really put me in like nerve wracking situations. So, you know, for me, I try and preach to people on my podcast in particular, like and, and like take take risks, try yeah. something and, and try a bunch of different things. Yeah. You know, through it's fucking Gary V. Yeah. Your 20s should be you should be going insane, you know, yeah. trying different jobs, switching different careers, fucking taking pay cuts, like don't worry about it. Yeah. And and I I didn't really do that a lot, so um, you know, I, I definitely try and like preach that like, you know, it, for me when with the internship it was like, yeah, I'm just going to go with this and see what happens and you know, it's led me in this path and I've kind of just gone with it, so. But I gotta give you like the counter compliment there of like, it's so almost easy to say, go out, take risks, see what happens. And I do agree that typically it pays off a lot, but I also really love telling the story of somebody that says, I was painfully conservative. I was terrified of taking risks. I needed this lined up to do it because here you are still in what I consider to be a very successful position. So it's like, I almost love that too, where it's like, if you are listening or if you're at a point where like, you're afraid to take the risk, like fucking everyone is. And like, you can also like be conservative about it and like still succeed. It's not like, oh, well, I'm not a risk taker. I'll never make it. You know, like I don't. Very true. You know? Very true. You know, and, and, um, I think, you know, in some sort of way, maybe I did take risks right. that I just don't recognize, you know? Yeah. Um, you were ready. Like once you just prepared it, you just got it ready. So, all right. So you take the marketing internship at yep. Interscope kind of fits, whatever, yep. go with it. Um, 2006, Tony, you said what? Tony, Tony. Yeah. So what, what's your day to day? What are you doing? My day to day was, um, it was a lot of administrative work. So he, he gave me tasks of, you know, responsible for phones Granted, this is my first office job as well. Yeah. So, like, most of my jobs before that were, like, working a carousel or working, like, a concession stand. Yeah. You know, like, those, Some real like, teenage Yeah, shit. and, like, again, it was always my mom going back, always doing, always working every single summer. So, 
my job here in this office was so new to me. So it was a lot of like learning the very basics of, you know, so Tony would have me uh, prepare for, you know, prepare books or binders for meetings and stuff. Um, organizing the CD rack, if you can wow. believe it. Like that was yeah. like a big job. Um, you know, obviously back then doing coffee runs, doing lunch runs for the, for the team. Um, and then just, just kind of like soaking in everything going on. I tempt a bunch of desks. So if someone was out for a week, oh. I would temp the desk, Whoa. um, which was a very nerve wracking thing for me at the time. I was like, fuck, like, I bet. holy shit. Like, you know, I'm an assistant, I'm a temp assistant for like this executive, uh, you know, is, was, who was just like a director of marketing, you know, right. <laughs> and I'm, so I'm like shitting my pants. Yeah. Um, so both of those summers were just cultivating like those very administrative skills. Um, and like, because like that work is like the bottom of the bottom, like that shit sucks. But like, did you have enough, like, did you have fun? Like, did you know, like, Oh, I actually like this. Like, Oh, of there? course. Okay, cool. Of course. I, I definitely was like, this is very exciting. And I'm like, it's my job to be organizing, like, Rise Against CDs okay, and cool. AFI CDs and Angels and Airwaves okay. was just putting music. So I was like, this is this is dope. Like, okay. I can, yeah. So you very much appreciated it. Like you weren't looking at it like I have to go sort fucking CDs. You were like, dude, Rise Against, I love this band. Yeah, like, I was okay, definitely cool. into it. I was very excited. And it was an exciting time in my life because um, I also had never lived in LA. So I was living uh, my first summer at USC. Oh, and then cool. I was working at Bubba Gum Shrimp. What? Yep. So like the internship at the time didn't pay. It was yeah. school credits. Yeah, yeah. So I had to find a job too. Um, so that was just like an exciting time of like balancing having two jobs. Like one, I knew that like I was cultivating like a new career for myself and being in this internship. And then the other side of it was like, yeah, I'm here cleaning tables, like just making money, trying to survive. It was, very, I was, I was having a fucking blast. So it was a really, really good time. And so I did that for two summers. Wow. Um, I came back and, and I did the exact same thing. That was the other thing. Again, like I did two of the same summer. Did I did an internship in the marketing department and I worked at Bubba Gump in 2006. And then I did it again in 2007. Like, like couldn't I have gotten a job like at a different restaurant? <laughs> you know what I mean? like, couldn't you have come back? Like, like, I'm just like, did you come back like hot shit? Like, oh, these CDs are going to get motherfucking sorted good Again, 2007. Like, yo, these, Y'all motherfuckers aren't ready <laughs> yo, for how fucking sorted these shits are going to be. Dude. They were like, oh shit, this is going to get straightened out again. <laughs> for I sure. just imagine like the badass like movie montage slow motion. You come back in, you're dapping people up. They're like, oh, that's Ben. He fucking tempts the desk like no other. Yep. But it worked to my advantage because... I, the whole, the whole music business is relationships and making relationships. And so my goal was not to fucking organize CDs, but it was to shake as as many people's hands as possible. And then also build a very strong relationship with Tony. And you recognized that pretty early. I did. Okay. So tell me about Tony now. Tony. So Tony, uh, he, he's, uh, he's from, uh, the OC Mm -hmm. and he has always been in music. He grew up in the punk scene down here and then we've always kind of had the same um excitement for pop punk and punk and he uh god i just did a pod on him so like there was a whole like bio that i did and now i can't remember it the copy paste bio the copy paste bio right it's important it's very important to have the shtick of that it is it is but he i i know that he uh he got in the music business same idea internships and he worked at like epitaph i believe and uh, a number of different other labels network um obviously interscope at the time and so 
Um, and and then he he the whole thing with Tony was that um, he is now a recruiter for for Twitch. Okay, I was going to ask you what he does now. So. Yeah. He's so, a natural. Yeah. He's a natural. So, so he was in marketing, but he always was in recruiting. So one of the tasks that he always had me did at the internship was like, look through resumes, oh. find new people. Okay. And that was always a very interesting uh, thing because that was not normal for, and you know, no, no other interns were doing that. I was like, why the fuck is Tony like having me go through resumes and stuff? But yeah. Tony is a, he's a networker. He's a, a very good at it and he likes to connect. And I, I admired that a lot about him. Yeah. And now looking back at it, like he is now, so so he was in marketing at Interscope, and then he went to Network Music Group, and he was marketing there, and then he went to UStream, and he was doing music partnerships at UStream for live streaming. Oh. Um, and he was building that business for a while, and then he made his shift into recruiting, and went to Pandora. He went to Pandora. Yeah. This guy's a natural. He's about to transition. I see this coming. See it coming? <laughs> I see it coming. So we'll back up a little bit, and then we'll we'll bring Tony back in, and we'll bring Marta, because Marta also worked at Pandora. Yes. So um, so backing up, uh, I did two summers at Interscope. After I graduated college, mm-hmm. um, I went home, and I was like, Shh. my mom was like, time, time to go. <laughs> time to figure it out, Ben. I'm like, oh, shit. And that this was the first time in my life where it was like, there's not a clear, you know, like for me, it was like, okay, I'm in school and then I go to high school and then I go to college. And then it was like, okay, now it's time for the real world. There's no, you know what I mean? There's no like next, next step. It's like, all right, here you go. Time yep. to, and my mom was like, literally like, it's time to go. Dude, shouts to your mom, honestly. Like, it seems like that perfect balance of like being there, loving, supporting, but also like not making you mama's boy. Like, she's like, all right, kid, you've done it. She's an amazing woman for sure. I give her a lot of credit for, um, you know, what what we've uh, what we've been through as a family. Yeah. Um, she is definitely kind of the anchor that has pulled us through a lot of stuff. And I, you know, she is she definitely is an incredible mom, but has also really pushed all three of us to like be who we are today. So I'm, uh, she is the number one person in my life right now. That's fucking um, cool. Yeah. So, so anyways, she a lot of love to my mom. I'm a mama's boy, as yeah. you can tell. But anyways, it was just like, all right, time for you to find a job. And I was like, fuck. Yeah. What do I do? Yeah. And it was, um, I applied to some jobs in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. There was about six months in between college and then coming down here. And honestly, Tony was a huge play for me. He was like, you know, I called him and I was like, I graduated college. I don't know what to do. And, you know, he's a connector. He's a recruiter. Yeah. And he was like, good dude to he call. Re- good dude to call. And yeah. he put me in touch with Total Assault. Okay. And that was the first company that I worked for. Oh. Um, I, I, I remember uh, Danny, the owner, called me and he was like, um, you know, I came down for an interview. Um, and then they, he hired me like a week later and I had three days to get down here. Whoa. And it was like, shit, here we go. Yeah. And so I came down here and I started and um, it was a digital marketing company at the time. Yeah. And what excited me about this digital marketing company, I never really thought about digital marketing. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, I was like thinking about traditional marketing at a label. That's where I definitely thought my first job would be. Yeah. But the advantage of this was, you know, you go from internship to assistant in this job, in this business, right? Like that's the natural step. And this job provided me to kind of skip that and become a digital marketing manager where the labels at the time would only have two or three people doing new media is what they called it. Wow. 
It's called New Media. Because what, we're at 2008? We're at 2008, yeah. Yeah. And so they would hire companies like mine to help them do digital marketing, which pretty much meant um, connecting with blogs, websites, um, on doing video premieres, interviews, uh, you know, fun digital marketing campaigns. Um, And so I was able to work with not only Interscope, but my clients were Atlantic, Columbia, uh, Warner, like all, all the majors were hiring my company. So it allowed me to like really grow my network with tons of different labels. That's crazy. So that's actually cool too, because even though it's 2008 and new media has definitely evolved, <laughs> they were paying attention and they were putting you in the right places and the right rooms with the right people. And absolutely, absolutely. They're, they knew that there was a place for it. Obviously, um, you know, streaming was like Pandora was around. And so the, the business was, was changing quickly. I don't think anyone recognized what streaming was going to do like at that time. Yeah. I didn't, I definitely wasn't on my radar. I mean, I knew what Pandora was. It was the only streaming platform at the time. Yeah. And we were paying attention to it, but it was like, you know, obviously it's completely shifted our entire business today, which we'll, we'll get into, but have you read outliers by Malcolm Gladwell? Um, no, but everyone has told me about it. It's just interesting. I mean, like, I think mostly it's received positively. Uh, Some people say, like, yeah, you can make an example out of anything. But the only, it just, I think of it as, like, that's a a very fortunate time to be working in music where new media is just this thing and you have all these incredible early relationships with people where no one would have expected that it would grow to be this. Yeah. And, like, there you are, just right place, right time. And I felt it. Yeah. Like, I... When I started realizing what, you know, what Total Assault, like what we were doing, I was like, dude, this is the future. Like, Whoa. this is where it all needs to That's be. That's sick to hear. That's awesome. Yeah. I definitely could feel it. I knew I was in the right place. Now, granted, it was, you know, I was not at a label. It, mm-hmm. it was a third-party marketing company. Yeah. So, you know, like, it was, it was a little bit more difficult for me to get into the industry and really grow relationships. Like... I was very that this is kind of where I look back and I wish I kind of took more risks of like being out at shows a ton and and really like shaking hands and building strong relationships with the partners that I was working with. Yeah, I don't think I took as it as strong advantage of it as I could have. Um, So I was there for five years. Oh, well, I was there for a pretty long time and it was a small company. So, you know, like you hit a ceiling Mm. um, and, and. um, I love all, all the people that, that are work there. Like M- Melissa is a very good friend of mine to this day. Um, she's the GM and, and Danny, you know, he gave me my first job. So it came to a point though, where it was time for me to, to move on. I, I could feel it. Um, I think five years was a solid run. Yeah. And um, you're getting like, you're comfortable then. Like you, you had your first job, you got grooved in, you kind of probably built your confidence. Totally. And, like, totally. And another place. thing too was like, you know, for me, it kind of goes back to my experiences. I was at one elementary school. Mm. I was at one high school. I was at one college. And so, like, I'm, I'm a person where I like to get comfortable, and change is actually kind of scary for Dude, me. Dude, I hate change. I hate I, I feel you on that. I'm very bad with change. Yeah. And I, I recognize that, and I try to cultivate it and, Dude. like, just fucking do it. I can't know? believe we haven't talked about that as friends because, like, it's yeah. something where, like, I, like, I feel like it's, a like, legit, like, a weakness. Like, I'll see friends that are, like, so good with just, like, going with the flow, and yes. I am... A creature of habit. Me too, dude. dude. Me too. And that's why I like get when I get comfortable, I won't I won't move. Yeah. And so, 
you know, again, I kind of look back on it as like, I, I might've been a total assault, like a year too long. Yeah. And so anyways, what was the tipping point then? If you are so comfortable with it, like what was that final? I, you know, I don't really know what it was. I just, I, I wasn't happy anymore. You know, okay. I felt like I was doing a rinse and repeat kind of thing. Okay. The campaign and also the business was changing. Mm. You know, we were losing a lot of the the major labels because their teams were growing. Now we're now we're into 2012, 13. Right. Yeah. So, you know, like things are quickly changing. Yeah. And so there was a moment um, where, you know, I was ready for a new job, but I didn't really know what that was. Mm. And um, my good buddy, Shane, um, who, who's my good friend now, reached out to Pandora and reached out. I, I think he reached out to Vix and. Mm. Uh, and got in touch with Vix, um, who came in and started talking to us about artist programs at Pandora. Mm. And honestly, Vix fucking blew my mind. I was like, whoa. Whoa. Like, I did not think about streaming and like working at a streaming service. The Vix that I met? You met Vix. Whoa, yeah. cool. Yeah. I love, I feel bad for the listener not like connecting that piece that I just did, but like Vix is fucking dope. And like, she, she, yeah, she's one of my besties for sure. That's and, crazy. Um, and she hired me at, okay. at Pandora. So essentially when she came in and showed me, showed us these programs, then we went out to lunch um, right after. And I'll never forget it. It was her and her other coworker, Matt Rosenberg, who is another good friend of mine now. Um, who, and they, they were the artist marketing team at Pandora. And I was like, fuck, what, like, what, what is this artist marketing team? And, and, and I was like, damn, like, this is cool. And I started looking up Pandora and like really realizing like, yeah, Pandora's a powerhouse and I could be here. I could work for them. Like, so what's funny was, is I applied for a job as a campaign manager. Okay. Now I had never really thought about the 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 different intricacies of Pandora. There's an advertising side, yeah. and then there's starting to be this marketing side. Pandora never marketed itself. It was literally a word of mouth business that grew to where it was. Whoa! I'm not kidding. That's impressive as it's, shit, right? I can get into like the history of how Pandora came for sure. I, I know the whole spiel, but it's fucking nuts how crazy and ridiculously fast it grew. Yeah, there's no other services that were like it at the time. Yeah, so. I applied for a campaign manager, not realizing that it's a campaign manager for client services that rolls up into sales, that pretty much the job was to set up campaigns. So, you know, like when you're listening to Pandora and you get a Jack in the Box ad, yeah, that's that job. So I was obviously not qualified. Right. So before I reached out to Vix, I just applied to this job because like I didn't have a good enough relationship with Vix where I could just hit her up. Yeah. So two days later, I got the automated you know, you're, you're, you have not, you, you were not selected for this position. Oh, really? And I was like, fuck that. Like, I want to go work for Pandora. This is very, like, I want to be a part of there it. There was a fire. You knew there was a at fire. this point. Yeah. And so I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to email Vix on the side. She seems super nice. Let's see what happens. Yeah. And, um, wait, that's fucking cool. That is a lesson right there. Yeah. Cause like it is so easy to not believe in yourself and to not to like get the negative side of it and just be like, well, fuck, I shot my shot. But like whatever that was, yep. you just had that fire and you weren't ready to say to take that. No, it's just like, that's when, fucking cool. Awesome. Yeah, dude. I love that. Like for me, it was just like when you know, when you have this feeling of where you want to be or something that you want to have and like it's burning in you, the worst thing that could happen is that you get a no or that it doesn't happen. Yeah. Right? 
But you got to try. Dude. Just fucking, like, throw it out there. Dude. The worst part is that someone will just say, sorry, no. So you tell know what? Me. Now you know. Yeah. So you had that fire. You did it. You I did had it. that extra shot. You send the email yep. on the side. And I was fired up. I was like, Pandora denied me. I'm like, fuck that. Like, I have the skills. I know I can be there. I really want to move on. Like, I knew that, like, Pandora was, was next. And so I hit Vix. And she fucking... Uh, it was a couple days, I think, because she was traveling because they were doing a lot of events. So a couple days went by and I was like, sh- like, I didn't want to follow up. I was like, let's be patient. Just be patient. That's Those another thing is the patience. Worst. They're the worst, man. She finally hit me back. And dude, she was like, couldn't have been a better person. Like, you know, now Vix and I are best friends. Like, we're best friends, you know. So she was like, yeah, let's meet up for lunch. Let's, let's, uh, where do you want to go? And I was like, let's meet, meet at Paquito Moss, uh, and, and, and sit down. She was like, great. And I think what changed in Vix is like, she was like, send me your cell phone number. And I sent her my cell phone number and my cell phone number is 415, which is Bay area. Oh. And Vix is also Bay area. Wow. And so she was like, wait, are you from the Bay? And I was like, yeah, I'm from the Bay. And, and I don't know. I, I think that was a moment where Vix was like, oh, this could, this is awesome. Like, that was our bond. Oh, it clicked. So when we sat down at Epiquito Moss, we just started bonding. It was yeah. just like, like, we just clicked. Um, and, and at the time, there was no position for me. Mm-hmm. Um, she was telling me about the, the team, and I was like, dude, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. And so it was, it was uh, I had to wait. I had to wait about six months before Vix was able to hire me. No shit. And it was a difficult time because I was also applying to other jobs. Other question. Yep. Was she in a position of hiring? Uh, not yet. Okay. Because I find that interesting where like as you go about and live your regular life or you're in an industry and you want to upstream or you want to do something, you can have a friend at a company, but they're nowhere near hiring. Absolutely not. So was she... Was she in a hiring position or was she just a friend at Pandora that you were like, there's something here. I got to sell myself to her. So at the time, the artist marketing team was very small. I think there was only like eight or nine of them. Uh Uh, And Vix was one of them. So and and they knew that they were going to grow this team, but there was no approval to do that yet. Yeah. And they were just starting to ramp up artist marketing programs, like doing branded programs with artists. So it was a very new thing. Yeah. And Vix at the time was responsible for managing and executing those artist marketing uh, campaigns. Mm-hmm. And so it was figuring out how to navigate internally and then also being the external facing person. And so it was, it was a lot of work. Yeah. And it was ramping up quickly. Ah. So Vix started to get overwhelmed and was preaching to our boss at the time. Cool. I need someone that can come in and help. Cool. And so... Uh, uh, she finally, um, after I know, like really pushing for a while, finally got an open rec. And at the time for me, we had just continued to keep talking. I kept checking in with her, yep. you know, it was a very nerve wracking thing of like making sure, you know, like when should I check in with Vix, Dude, you know, yeah. you got to be careful with those things, not to bug people and, and understand that it's okay to check in from time to time. Um, but also recognize that once you're on that person's radar, they, they will remember you, you know? So it's okay to let time pass and know that things, especially like this, take time. Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, I also was interviewing for another position um, that I'll leave, uh, I'll leave anonymous. Um, but a good friend of mine wanted me to come into tour marketing at this agency. 
Oh. And she was kind of uh, courting me to to join her team. Oh, wow. And it was crazy, dude, because we were friends. She was hiring me at Total Assault to help her do tour marketing. And she offered me a position. And the scariest thing was is that Pandora had not offered me anything. They still had not had an open rec. I'd been waiting for a couple months, but I turned the job away. This guy's over here saying he doesn't take risks. <laughs> I guess you're right. It was a very nerve-wracking thing because for me, I didn't want to start a job and then told, and then um, Pandora come and say, now we want to hire you a couple months later and then drop out. That was not what not what I wanted to do. Yeah. And um, it was very shitty. Like it was it was tough for for me and her. She, you know, I told her that I couldn't take the job. I just wasn't ready. Yeah. And. Um, and now she's she again, you know, relationships are everything. We worked through it and we are very good friends to this day and both recognize that actually it was a good thing of how everything worked out. That's she awesome. actually ended up leaving the agency not too long after that. So um anyways, I turned that job down yeah. and I had to wait another couple months. And eventually Vix um got an opening. Damn. And so it was I had to go through some interviews, and so here are some crazy things. Very similar to me not um, not uh, going to visit the college and just going. Yeah. I did not negotiate my offer. Oh, I didn't wow. fucking care what they were going to pay me. Yeah. First of all, I knew it was going to be more because it was a tech company. Yeah. And uh, I just I wanted to be there. Yeah. I just was like, it doesn't matter. You yeah. can literally pay me nothing. So... Um, I don't rec recommend that any to anyone. I think you should always negotiate your offer no matter where you are. It's good for you to build those skills. Recruiters expect that in you. And at the end of the day, they'll offer you what, you know, the best offer that they can give you. So, so my like, advice is always fucking negotiate. So for somebody who is in that position where it's like your dream job sends you the offer, you want it more than anything, you don't want to fuck it up, like you very much recommend that you can come back with a counter offer and they're not going to say fuck yourself and walk away. Absolutely. They yeah. uh, every recruiter is going to expect you and and it, it also I have also realized that it makes you look confident in yourself and believing in yourself that like you no, you as an individual should fight for for what you believe in, and that's that's a skill. You know, that's a and I think for recruiters and for your for your boss to see like, yeah, Ben negotiated to get the, his best self. He's gonna do that for us. Yeah. He's gonna negotiate for us, and and I think that's an important skill that people should should try. And like, listen, you do it very carefully. Um, you know, obviously, you express to the recruiter how much you want this. I was doing it a lot. I was like, you know, it doesn't matter. But um, but yeah, it's it's a fine line. You know, you don't have to push it. If you really right. want to push it and don't care, you definitely can. Yeah. You know, but if you really want it, you know, definitely say what you know. Like, can you do any better? Or is there anything else that you can offer? There are different packages that you can kind of negotiate. And there's yeah. more than just salary. There's stock. There's time off. There's cell phone bill. You know, you want to kind of look at it as a whole package. Yeah, that's cool. Um, that sounds a lot like negotiating a record deal on my side. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's the exact same thing, man. Yeah. It's there's more to it than just like the tangible money coming in. Right. Like, it's not yeah. Negotiate your best life almost. Um, anyway, so I took the job and that to me is uh what this podcast is all about. You want the moment where everything changed. Yeah. Boom. This was it. That's this it. This job flipped everything for me um because a a because i joined a, a major you know i went from a small digital marketing company that i'd be like yeah i work for total assault and everyone would be like what the fuck is that 
to I work at Pandora. Right. I don't need to explain to you what Pandora it's is. It's just there it is. So, you know, for me, I didn't really recognize it. And Vix at the time was she was she was educating me when I first got there. Like, just be ready for you know, people to come at you. Well, yeah, because we should also say you worked at Pandora starting what year? 2013. Right. So, so yeah. Pandora in 2013. We were the was shit. We like, were the- that's, I mean, the Spotify of right now or the Apple Music, but like maybe even more so because there wasn't even like competition. There wasn't. Re- like, we were at the top. It was just the top. It was the top. So you didn't realize that quite. Yeah, I just I I didn't really realize like man, I just jumped into something where my clout now is like, you know, I I I'm I'm attached to something that people really are paying attention to. Yeah. And for me, I uh I I started to recognize that very quickly like um, you know, it's funny a lot of things started to come full circle for me. Um at the time my internship, um, you know, there were there were people, there were marketing directors that would treat me as an intern, right? And yeah. I would be like, I'm going to remember this. Yeah. And Pandora kind of brought that all back together where I would be getting emails from them now and like, oh, we should reconnect. And, you know, that to me was moments where it was like, this is why you have to treat every single person in this business, no matter what level they are, the same. Yeah. Because um, one day that person is going to be hiring you. Even if, you know, all the interns, I look at them and I'm like, you're going to be running this business one day. And when I'm 65, I'm going to need a job. Fucking facts. Fact. Yeah. So Pandora, again, it was like one of those things where like, damn, this is all coming full circle. And I took hardcore advantage of it. I dove into Good. Pandora like it was my, Pandora became my life. And everyone around me and my whole network, everyone that's going to listen to this knows that. Yeah. I bled blue for Pandora. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it was a very exciting time in my life. Uh, uh, my job was to um, not only cultivate relationships in the business, but actually work with internal teams to build artist marketing, artist programs. Yeah. So we did Pandora premieres where every week we would be premiering albums through a program that we built that we just fucking created. And we would do playlists and mixtapes and like, you know, I would be, uh, we did branded, branded events with T-Mobile and fucking like Taco Bell. And I'm like, Shit, you know, my job was to interview artists. You know, now I'm sitting in front of direct artists like Fergie and Steve Aoki and fucking, you know, Stephen Jenkins. And like, dude, we interviewed fucking Chance the Rapper and yeah. G-Eazy. And I'm like, what? Like, it, it was a what the fuck is going on moment for me. Like, every single day where it was like, this is my job. And so I really tried to... um I just took advantage of that. Like, that's why it became my life every day. I was like, I just want to live and breathe this. And God, there's so many pieces, at least for me, where I'm thinking about it. And like, one, thank fuck you didn't get the Jack in the Box part of the Pandora job where you're selling the Jack in the Box ads. Right, And like, two, like, thank God, like you, you, you sent the extra email, you sent the other email to Vix, you said no to the next job. Like, you really did feel it. You saw something there. You had that fire. So not only did you do that, not only did you follow through, not only were you patient, you get the job and then you didn't get comfortable. You just fucking went in and doubled mm-hmm. down on it. I never thought about that, to be honest with you. Oh uh, my you put God. it that way. Um, but it's 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 actually pretty crazy, like getting to that point, how I got to that point. Like I I I'm a full believer in everything happens for a reason. And yeah. I do believe that the universe has a plan and yeah. they, it will, if you, for me, if you have positive intentions, good intentions in yourself and you reflect 
honesty, trust, empathy, um, everything else will take care of itself in some sort of way. Dude, I mean, I, I absolutely love that and agree with that. But I just, I, I love putting that story together and hearing that because it's like, it's so funny to me that you'd think that you don't take risks because like you put fucking everything on the line to make that happen and then yeah. you doubled down. Yeah. Cause like, I remember little bits of it. Like we were becoming friends when you were like Pandora, but like you really did bleed it. Yeah. And like, it was just, I mean, that's great for everyone. That's yeah. great for you. Obviously the company loved it, but it's like, it's so great on the other side as a manager, or as a label or as an anything to be like, oh, this person gives a shit. Like if I send them an artist, if I send them music, if, he, if they do an interview, if they do a feature, he cares. Mm -hmm. Like there's care in it. So like, everyone loved that yeah. you're applying your social skills that you would like like it's just yeah you talk about the moments that i'm looking for and those turning points and like yes that's exactly what i was looking for and it's insanely cool to like see every piece of your skill come together in that moment totally totally and that's really where i re i realized what my skills were is being a connector because what i was really good at and what i kind of cultivated is not only was I, um, you know, I was networking like crazy with the industry and meeting a ton of people like, like you and Josh and like all these friends that I probably never would have met if I didn't join Pandora in a way. Yeah. Um, but I also built very strong relationships internally. Yeah. And I didn't realize how um, effective for me that was because... I built myself up as I can execute a program on Pandora and know how to do it internally and go to the right people yeah. that could help me put that together. Yeah. Um, and so I was, that was very exciting for me was not only to be able to capture, sit down with an artist and literally be face to face interviewing them directly, but then also taking that and building a program. And like, I wasn't the one designing assets or you know putting this the the audio drops together or anything but i was able to go to the right people and work with them in bringing that together and yeah. so that's kind of where my job really started to kind of uh shift was like i was the internal uh team to execute the programs and yeah. as we we grew from like 10 11 people to 50 holy shit so we i mean it was it was a fucking crazy ass time for pandora yeah. um, we we were we had never marketed ourselves. We were never doing these artist programs. We started spending uh, marketing dollars to, to market the brand itself. And so a lot of things were changing. And, um, and so I was just kind of going along for the ride in that sense of like we were, you know, everything that we were doing, it was building up, going to South by. Um, and then, you know, then Spotify and Apple came into play. Mm. One thing before we get to Spotify oh, and Apple. Yeah. I think that the company culture of Pandora was unmatched, like unmatched the way that like, and again, I know it pretty much just through you and talking as friends, but I want to talk about that because I think now that we've seen people that have come from Pandora go to other places, they're the superstars in every company. And I think that that came from the culture at Pandora. A hundred percent. And I'm glad you touched on that because that really is what Pandora was. It, yeah. it was the people that we were, we were family. Yeah. Um, and, and everyone wanted to be at work. Yeah. It was, it was nuts. I mean, it was, uh, you know, we were, we were obviously a major brand, but being here in LA in a satellite office, yeah. um, because Pandora is headquartered in Oakland, right. um, was, it was small. It was very small. How and many? We, um, at the time it was, it was less than a hundred people. Okay. Um, and all of them were sales and client services. 
So it was like in LA when I got hired, there was three, three of us on the on the artist team. Is Vix there? Vix was there. Cool. Yeah, Vix was in LA. Cool. Um, and so it was myself, Vix, and then our boss at the time. Um, and then, um, and uh, yeah, we, oh, man, I'm blanking. Uh, it was just like I had to make friends with the client services people because there, you know, we didn't have a big team. So I just started connecting with them and, 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 and all of us were young. That was, that was the other thing too. Like everyone wanted to go out and, 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 and socialize with each other. And it just kind of like grew into this thing. And then it became a thing where, you know, a new person would come into Pandora and they would see, you know, our, our rapport with each other and then they'd want to be a part of it. And I feel like all the people there were so inclusive of each other. Yeah. It was, the people was definitely was what Pandora was for sure. And I, that's the biggest takeaway. And as you scaled up, like as it went from three to however many, like that culture stayed there. Yeah. It, in a way, I mean, you know, like every business, I think there's change that has to happen. I mean, sure. Pandora grew pretty rapidly and we were going through a lot of change and, and new people coming in. So, um, you know, there were a lot of politics, which I think changed the business for sure. Um, yeah. and, and that's kind of what led me to, to, to the end, I would say. Sure. Um, everyone there treated each other with respect, um, from what, you know, from what I saw and, and, and it was, you know, things changed. Yeah. Um, and ultimately, so, yeah. Well, yeah. So then we come to Apple music, Spotify, things are changing. Yeah. So it's that expanding. was, that was a crazy time because at the time Pandora was not, um, it was not an on-demand platform. It was just a radio service. You couldn't choose your tracks to listen to. And so, when Spotify and Apple came into the picture at the time, I don't think we really saw it as a threat. Um, and so we kind of kept our business, you know, moving as it was. And, and so obviously things changed and, yeah. um, and Pandora started to go through a lot of different changes. I mean, we were a public facing company, so, yeah. you know, we had a board that we had to answer to, which is wild, which is wild. You know, you think about it, like it, they're looking at the bottom line. You know, yeah. through through it all, and and we were spending money, and um, you know, I don't I don't want to get too into it, but um, but it just went through a lot of change. We finally yeah. built an on-demand product, and um, there was also a lot of restructuring going on and figuring out what the future of Pandora is and where that fits into. Totally. So that led to um, changes that had to be made in the company. Right, because like obviously here you are now, you do not work at Pandora. So I think that that's cool though, because like again. You, maybe you stayed at Total Assault a little too long, whatever, but like you had the fucking golden days at Pandora. I did. And then again, a nod to you, like here you are, like you now have moved on. So yeah. uh, what was that next chapter? So you move on from Pandora. So, well, I'll, I'll tell you this, like, you're right. The, the golden days for me were 2013, I would say to 2016, maybe going into 17. Yeah. And then I start, you know, we had to restructure ourselves where, um, where like Vix had left. Oh, Vix, Vix got, she got laid off, unfortunately. Damn. So you like, uh, and that was a like very difficult, ride or die. Yeah, yeah. It was a very difficult time. You know, uh, we had a great team. So, um, Tommy page, I have to call out Tommy page. Um, uh, rest in peace. He's a, yeah, he, um, he was a very special person that ran our team and Whoa. he, he, um, he was the head of, of artist marketing at the time. And he, really kind of 
cultivated us as a he treated us as like family we're all family here and he also we had our specific roles but he was also like everyone is doing the same thing under our, my umbrella mm. and um to me those were kind of the golden years of our team um things changed um tommy ended up leaving pandora and to me that's kind of where a lot of like wait the, did he pass away or did he he did pass away oh yeah yep he passed away a couple of years ago oh whoa yeah um, damn so he leaves pandora and then you like lost him as like a dude yeah damn. um and it was it was it was very sad tommy was a very special person to all of us for sure and and i want to call him out on this podcast because he was so special and that's awesome he was a very formative part of our pandora um you know uh time there i'll say one thing on that um i think that names like that and legendary people like that like i'm so glad you did call him out because like obviously like people pass away right you lose people but it's like i feel like you kind of die twice like i heard this quote and i always butcher it but it's like there's like people saying your name, like the last time somebody says your name in person, but then the last time you're ever spoken about ever. So it's like by saying his name here and recording that name and telling that story, it's like he still lives on. And like that legacy, I think that's fucking cool. It is cool. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're absolutely right. And, so and thank I'll you bring for saying it, that. Absolutely, dude. And I'll bring it full circle when we get to, to cool. Warner Brothers cool. um, uh, with Tommy for sure. But um, so anyways, uh, um. God, I lost my train of thought because well, I'm just thinking about Tommy. <laughs> oh, man. So Vix leaves. Or, so, yeah, Vix yeah, left. Uh, Tommy left before that, and then Vic, Vix left. And for me, that's where it really kind of changed um, because Vix was Vix and I were attached at the hip. Mm -hmm. Like, we were literally two peas in a pod. Everyone knew, you know, we were always connected to each other, and we worked extremely well together, and, and Vix and I got to do a lot of things. So when, when she left and also another uh, co-worker of, of ours, Jess, she also left, uh, that's where things change. And I got shifted to a team that was a very operational role, internal operational role. And for me, I liked to be artist-facing, industry-facing, and, and that was just not the job that was, that was positioned to me. And so for me, I, I did it for a year, um, but I was not happy. Leave it to Ben to stay the extra year. I did the extra year, <laughs> dude. I did, and it was like I was very comfortable. You know, I was like, I have a, you know, I, I have a good work-life balance. No one's watching over me. Uh, my boss was in Oakland, and and at the time, I mean, really didn't check in on me. And we don't so, like change. We don't like change. We don't like it. We don't like it. So I, you know, I was looking for jobs, but I never would have left if I would have, unless I found the the the, the same fire job like yeah. like the Pandora. I wouldn't have yeah. left. So it came upon a time where. We knew that layoffs were coming, and I could feel it. Okay. I could feel it because I had been putting out that energy for a year that I wasn't happy. Yeah. And thank God. Yeah. You know, I, uh, I went through a layoff, and I was part of it. And I look back, I'm very thankful to kind of have an experience of, like, sitting in a room with an HR person and my boss going, we're letting you go. Wow. And then my boss saying, they're also letting me go. Oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, fuck. By the way, uh, me too. So we're both getting fired. Yeah. Well, I should say fired. We're both getting laid off. Yeah. Uh, so that was, you know, it's funny. And and for me, I looked at it at that time, I, I was I was not pissed. I was there in the room. I was like, all good. What does my package look like? You know, I said my spiel of this place has changed in a, in a, in the way it has, and and I need to be pushed. Yeah. And um, thank you to Pandora. For, for that, you know, it was, it was, I look back now, it took me a couple months to kind of get the anger out, 
and like the confusion um, yeah. be- because when I when I left um, when I got laid off the the amount of support and text messages I got again reminded me why my network is the most important everyone texted me everyone yeah. was like we got you that's fucking sick it was it, I felt so humbled I was like man like this is good for me um, and, and so um, it was a very scary time in my life because I had never not had you know nowhere to go after you telling the story now like i get it too like the only parallel is maybe coming back from college and like the push out the door exactly but now it's like now i'm you know 32 and it's like okay ben you (laughs) like there's no help from anyone it's like you got to figure it out and thankfully you know like i was able to take some time off because of getting laid off you know get unemployment yeah, and that's my one number one thing for anyone that gets laid off or does not have a job. Please apply for unemployment. I did not real. I always looked at it before as like, oh, you're just getting free money and like, well, you should be fucking working. No, no, no. Unemployment there is there for a reason, and I I do believe in it now. Now that I've actually had an experience, I encourage anyone that doesn't have a job, please go get unemployment. Another incredible piece to just say. I love that you said that. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so I was fortunate enough to. You know, the other thing too that's really funny is I never took vacation at Pandora. Oh. I never took vacation. I maybe did one trip while I was un- unemployed or um, while I was employed by Pandora. Um, which just because you liked it so much, like you never I thought was to. So, or? Like I loved my job. God, like, that's sick. I got to travel so much for my job that I just like my vacations were being at home. Yeah. And Vix, Vix will kill me. She was always kicking me like, you need to take more time off. You need to do it. Yeah. But I also had built up so many hours. Yeah. They had to pay me out for it. Oh, whoa. You got your vacation time. So I got my vacation time and, and I got unemployment. So it allowed me to actually like, I could take some time off. Yeah. And so a lot of people were saying like, take advantage of this. Yeah. And so um, full circle, Tony also got laid off. Oh, um, so Tony also got laid off at the same time. So we decided to take a trip together in an RV three days after we got laid off. That was Tony. That was Tony. Oh my God. That's full circle. Full circle. That's us bullshitting about fake history lessons. Like that's you going out on the RV and like, yep. Saying some bullshit about the Grand Canyon. That was Tony. The funny thing was, is he and I were sitting in a trailer together and you know, we talked about it every night of like. How crazy is it that like you and I are sitting here in the middle of nowhere, you know, coming full circle. We're both now officially unemployed, like sitting here like, what the fuck? Like, this is crazy, bro. Like, <laughs> I am know? visibly and, shook right now. Yeah. Like, and we were, you know, it's great now because I feel like he and I now look at each other as peers rather than, you know, intern. You know, he is my mentor, but he, he we're, we're fucking bros now, you know, oh and it's just like we're God. sitting there like, holy shit, man. So that trip for me was like. It was so humbling because it was like I had no idea where I was about to go, what yeah. to do. But I was like, you know what? It's time for me to go back into just living the moment. Yeah. And and knowing that the universe will push me in the right direction. I know I have support. Uh, so from that trip, when I got home, it was like, I'm just going to I'm going to start looking for jobs, but I'm also just going to enjoy this. Yeah. And know that, like, I'm probably never going to have this opportunity again once I do find a job. Yeah. And I knew that I would. Um, I knew that I would. And. Um, so I started searching and it was difficult for sure. Now you would think that, Oh, Ben from Pandora, like I have a lot of clout. I have, you know, I have a good name next to me. 
it's it's tough to find a job. What year are we in? We're in um, 2000. We're last year, 2017, uh, 18. 18. Yeah, I got laid off at the end of uh, January last year. Okay. Um, and so, you know, I definitely thought that it would have been a lot easier for sure. I went through one interview process at um, another DSP, mm-hmm. um, which is a digital streaming platform. I should clarify oh, for yeah, people. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. Um, that I thought that I was going to get. And I went through 10 interviews and I didn't get the job. And Holy it was, shit. it went back to a very humbling, you know, like I was like, dude, I'm definitely going to get this. I yeah. have the, and boom, I didn't get it. Whoa. And it was like, you know what, Ben, like things are not going to be handed to you. You know, you really have to be ready for things like this to happen and be okay with that and know that like, there's a reason why this didn't go through. And, yeah. and there was, there, there was, which I'll get to later, but, um, yeah, I just, uh, what happened was, is I found this job war- at Warner. It popped up on LinkedIn as a digital or um, a streaming for for rock an alternative at Warner Brothers. And I looked at the job and and um, I reached out to some friends that I knew worked at Warner, some of my Pandora people and some other outside people of like, what do you guys think of this job? And um, I the I think the greatest thing was is that my boss, when he was interviewing, he told me that he has never gotten more recommendations on one person than anyone in his career. Wow. He was like, I don't understand like how many phone, you don't understand how many phone calls and emails I got recommending you. And I was like, dude, like I was blown away. That fucking network. Network. I'm telling you, man, the most important thing in your life is your network. And that's the reason why, man. Like, my network, that's why I want to support my network any way I can is because I know that like if I can uplift everyone, I'll some reason be associated with that at, as well. And yeah. for some reason, you know, I continue to go up with everyone and I'm grateful to be a part of it. So anyways, um, so I got the job at Warner after five months and wow. I took the job and I never thought that I'd be going back to a label. Oh, yeah. Um, it had been 10 years since I've been inside oh, of a yeah. label and... Um, you know, it was exciting for me to get back into, you know, talking with managers again and building artists streaming strategies. Yeah. And what was exciting was it was kind of going back to my total assault days of now I'm not being pitched to, I now have to do the pitching. That's right. And, um, you know, I have to be a seller again. Yeah. Um, and so what's exciting about that is I'm now working with Pandora again. I'm on the phone every week with my team talking about my artists just on the other side. But now you know, like, you know from the other side, you know how to not be that guy and you know how to bring the people that you're pitching value. And, like, I think that that's so important. I think that, like, what a valuable place to have you because you know how to do it right and you know what they want. And, like, you know, like, I just think that's nice for everyone. Yeah, I I definitely like to think that I've, you know, I've gotten to experience the other side and now coming to this, you know, getting this experience from this side, I've learned a shit ton because when I was at Pandora talking to labels and managers, I understood it. But then again, I I actually didn't because I'd never been at a label in that capacity or worked like, and you maybe didn't even realize like how much of hot shit you were at the time where like everyone's coming to you being like, yo, we'll do anything for 100%. this. So you're just like, this is great. Yeah. Come to me, check my email. Oh, here's an opportunity. hundred yeah. percent. And you know, just to back up a little bit, that was another big fear of mine mm. is because 
my, my, the main bulk of my network that I was building was at Pandora, right? Mm -hmm. And so everyone knew me as Ben from Pandora. That yeah. was like a big thing. And I was very proud of that for a yeah. long time. And so, you know, I was, when I got laid off, I was so scared of like, are people still going to want to talk to me? Because now I'm not attached to Pandora. How are people going to treat me now that I am not inside pulling levers? Dude, I can relate to that. I relate to that so heavily because I went from touring to management and industry side. Mm -hmm. Whereas like, cool, I have all my touring friends, but like people aren't going to give a shit about me mm -hmm. when I go to that. That's a very real fear. Yeah. And, and you know, so I was very nervous of how are people going, you know, are, am I still going to have friends? Like, well, I, I wasn't thinking like, I'm not, I'm not going to have any friends, but you know what I mean? It was yeah. just like, you know, if I hit up X person, are they even going to be inclined to want to give me a recommendation or, you know, so, um, and I, I just remember, uh, one of my best friends, Dan Dyer talking to him about it. You know, he said it to me straight. He was like, Ben, you need to, you need to man up, bro. Whoa. Like he was just like, listen, dude, you, you have been the one that has been preaching your Ben from Pandora, right? Like you were the one. And, and I was like, yeah, you're right. I've always like, yeah, I'm Ben from Pandora and that's what I wanted to build. But he was like, but dude, to everyone else, you're Ben Farber. Like, you're Ben and you're a good dude and everyone recognizes that. So just like, shut the fuck up and like, go, dude. And that to me was like, dude, you're right. Like, I'm not Ben from Pandora. I'm Ben and I've, I've, I'm, I'm me. And like, I've tried to be as real as possible with every single person that I meet because... I don't want there to be like, I don't want to be fake. I want people to just know who I am every time they see me, like understand, you know, like, oh, that's Ben. Yeah. I could go to him. I could trust him or that's just the most important aspect for me. God. And that, that to me was like, damn, you know what? You're right. And that's when I started to like hit people up again. And, and honestly, he was right. Dude. I didn't lose any friends. Yeah. I, no one looked at me differently. Everyone treated me the same. Like, hey, I need a recommendation. My boss saying so many people hit me up. It was like, you know what? You're right. Like, I I have done this the right way and just being me. Yeah. So I think that's important for everyone to take away is just be, you know, you as an individual and, and own that wherever you go. Yeah. Because all of us are going to be in different places at different times in our lives. Like, I'm, you know, there will probably be a time when I'm not Ben from Warner anymore. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's about, it's about the individual and who you are. Dude, I love that. And it's absolutely fine to be proud of the company you work for, but I just love that, like, I love that, dude, shouts to your fucking friend for putting that perspective there because, like, that's exactly what it is. Like, yep. give a fuck. Like, I, I don't care at all, like, where you work or whatever. I care about you as a person, yep. but I also understand the anxiety from the other side. And I think the reality is that anybody that actually cared about you as Ben from Pandora and not Ben Farber isn't a real friend anyway, and you don't need their validation, so you're fine. I agree. And there's going to be people that come in and out of your life all the time. And, and that's another thing. I, I, I don't like people hating me. Mm -hmm. That's another thing, too. I, I Honestly, I can relate to that. Yeah, yeah right? <laughs> so, but it's also at the same time, there are going to be people that, you know, you're going to have to drop from your life. That mm -hmm. you're going to have to, that, you know, are not going to want to talk to you anymore. And, and, and to be okay with that. Yeah. You know, it's, for me, it's just a sign of moving on. You know where I've found like a little bit of uh, peace in that? is like a thing of always be the best person that you can be uh, because how can you go wrong then, right? So it's like maybe you do have to have a hard conversation. Maybe you do have to like say something to somebody or maybe they don't like you or whatever. 
But if any, if you acted from a good place and if you came from your best intentions and they still don't fuck with you, then again, fuck them. That's what I'm saying. Right. It's like, as long as you're, you're portraying good, like empathy, trust, honesty, like, and you're not getting that back, you've done everything you can, you know, and sometimes you're going to come across people like that. And, you know, for me, I just kind of look at it as like, I know I'm not going to allow this person to affect me. Yeah. And I try to remind myself a lot because... Honestly, I do take things very hard on myself yeah. um, when those things do happen. So it's it's easier said than done for sure. But you know, I try to remind myself as much as possible of like, just just like when something when uh, I interact with someone or someone, you know, we're not speaking anymore. I I just kind of remind myself like that's okay. Yeah. You know, I'm here when they are ready or reconnect and to be okay with that. That's cool. You set a great example there. I like that. Um, so uh, not quite sure where I was going with all of that. And <laughs> well, where, no, like you brought we yourself off. to Warner. And I think like, again, like in the very beginning, you described a little bit about what you do. Um, and like, I, I want to touch on your podcast for a second because you started a podcast not too long ago called How the Fuck Do I Podcast? Yep. And that is another piece that I think is incredible. And you've even though you have all this skill in music, you've gone and done something completely outside of music. Yep. Like this is, a, this is a podcast that applies to life. This is for anybody that wants to live a better life, kind of touches on some of the things of like being a young adult or like kind of adulting and realizing that there's sides of it where you're just like, what the fuck? How, how the fuck do I do this? Yeah. Where no one really taught us. Um, and you've done a great job of that. Dude, thank you. Thank you. So... I've never really had like a side project. Yeah. You know, that was another thing that I wish I would have taken more risks on is like, why did I never work like late night in my twenties on something just for me? Yeah. And so I, I podcasting kind of clicked where, you know, I was like, man, this is like really taking off. And I started listening to podcasting. I was like, dude, I could, I could do this. Like, I love talking to people. I love connecting with people. Like I really want to do this. And so when I was thinking about, how to go about it. It was, it was, it was my Pandora days again. Yeah. Because did Marta Ma work at, so Marta also worked at Pandora. Okay, cool. So Tony and Marta, cool. they're married. They worked at Pandora cool, together. Cool. Um, and yeah, and I was there. And so for me, it was like when I was able to be backstage mm -hmm. or interview an artist and sit here, Yeah, I would literally think to myself, how the fuck did I get here? Like, how am I sitting in a seat and this major company, Pandora, wants me to talk to Fergie? Right. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Very humble of you, yeah. You know, it was like, so, and then I started looking around me and like, there'd be an audio guy, there was a video guy. And I'm like, how the fuck did all of these people get here? You know? So I started realizing like, I want to talk to these people about how the fuck do you get to X. Yeah. And so that's kind of where the, the name of the inspiration of, of the podcast is. But obviously I wanted it to be more than music because music has always been a career thing for me and I yeah. wanted oh. to do something completely different. Oh, cool. So this was an opportunity for me to be like, how can I do something that everyone can apply to? Yeah. And when I've been talking to, when I was talking to Marta, we, you know, she has also expressed interest in podcasting and we were like, we started just, we always riff about living our best lives. Wow. And we're like, why don't we fucking talk about how the fuck people can live their best lives? Yeah. And every episode is going to be a tangible, actionable items that people can take 
and apply to their lives no matter who or what you do. I love that. I, I love that just because it's like, I feel like not even that you're looking for success, but I just feel like you become more successful when your product is accessible and relatable to more people and more than one niche audience. Totally. And it just comes from such a genuine place of you wanting to help and you wanting to do something fun. But I almost like, because I see so much in you, like I'm like thankful that you like went broad picture because you could have done something and you're just like, this is for everyone. And like, that's sick of you to like, or both of you guys yeah. to like give that back. Yeah, thanks. And, and honest, I, I have no idea where it's going. Sure. No clue. We have no expectations. Yep. This is a fun project. Yeah. And, and I think that's important for everyone to know is like, you should do something that is fun. Don't yeah. worry about where it's going or, you know, making money or how you want it to be. I mean, just go and do it and like roll with it and see what happens. And to me, it goes back to the Gary Vee motto of just like, just put fucking good out into the world, provide value and everything else will fall into place. That That is the whole fucking goal. So I, I don't know where it's going. I don't, you know, we talk about it all the time, what topics we should talk about. Yeah. Um, so, you know, this is just like we're rolling with it, and, and who knows what's happening. The response has been absolutely incredible. The support of friends and my, our network is just like, wow, you know? Yeah. And, um, you know, we thought five people would listen to it, you yeah. know? And that's, that's, that's fine. You're up to six now, so I'm congrats. <laughs> No, but like that is cool. So th like honestly, as a consumer of podcasts, thank you because I feel like you did something very different that I love to listen to. Awesome. I and another it. a piece that I want, I thought it would be fun for this show is because this is primarily music based and you don't want to deep dive into music on yours. And I think that you're incredibly qualified. Um, I thought it would be fun. You know, there might be listeners for my show that do have artist projects or, I mean, really anyone in music could know this, but like now that you are on that side of Warner and you're building streaming campaigns and you're mm -hmm. building all of that, what are some actionable, actionable steps that artists or anyone could take to be more appealing and to build that side of their project? Good question. Um, there's a lot. So, you know, obviously there are so many different streaming services these days, not only the majors, but there are also tons of secondary DSPs, um, you know, that are, that are out there. And so it's a lot to manage. How I think about it uh, is you have Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Yeah. Right? Those are your social networks that you communicate with people. Yeah. Then you have Apple Music, Spotify, Pandora, YouTube Music, Amazon Music, right? Yeah. I also consider those social networks. Hmm. They're the same thing. However, they just provide different means of content um, and different experiences. So if you can treat those platforms like you would treat your social networks like Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, yeah. you're going to be more successful in the streaming space. Wow. Okay, so what does every platform want? Engagement. Engagement time. Yeah. We're no longer trying to sell product to people. We're trying to get their time. We're, you know, like it's wow. not money anymore. It's time. Yeah. Like the more time that someone is engaging with your product, the, you know, the more you'll get paid off streaming, right? Like actually, yeah. If someone's listening, not listening to your song, they're listening to someone else's, which means someone else is getting that money, not you. You just put it so simply, but yeah, that's fucking crazy. So for me, it's about 
how do you drive your your fan base or your into those networks and get them to interact with you on those platforms? What, what, what that'll in turn do is that these platforms are focused on algorithmic and editorial playlisting and figuring out what you as a consumer want to hear and listen to and how do you keep them on, on that platform continually listening. Right, because so, the service mm -hmm. wants users on their platform, not another. Correct. So you become more valuable if you are a, val a, a piece that is driving people to be on their platform. Correct. Cool. So... So, for example, Spotify, mm -hmm. you want people to follow your, your artist page. Mm -hmm. You want to build initiatives that get people to press the follow button. Because mm. what that's going to do is when you release a new song, that new song is going to go into the most powerful playlist on Spotify, which is... The most powerful playlist... Oh. Do you know what oh. it is? What is it? Oh, you just taught me this. It's Discover Weekly, no? Or is it uh, recommended for you? Almost. Oh. Release radar. Release radar. Release radar. You yep. did just teach me this. Yep. All good. All good. That's the most powerful playlist on the platform. Because if you think about it, a majority of, of our society is passively listening to music now and wants to be able to discover new music easily. Yeah. So they're going to playlists and these algorithmic playlists to discover something that they like, ultimately to go to the artist page. And then the goal is to get them to add it to their own playlist. Right, yeah, yeah. So the more that you can drive people to follow your artist page, for example, right. when you release new music, Release Radar is going to hit everyone that follows you on the platform. Right. So the more people that are following your artist page, the more that your song is going to be showing up in Release Radar, the more streams you get, the more visibility. Mm. It's the most direct to your fan Correct. out of any other playlist. So it kind of just goes back to like, Think of those, these platforms as social networks. Use them to your advantage of communicating and, get, and engaging with your fans on these platforms. Pandora, we built tools where you can have an artist audio message play on your station. So if someone is listening to a family pet station, yeah. the artist will say, hey, this is family pet. We're playing in LA on June 5th. Click the banner to get tickets. Yeah. And so that's an interaction when they click the banner. Right. You know, they're they're able to to hear that. And so you want to encourage people to start a family pet station because that will lead to more of that artist message getting heard. Yeah. That I honestly like that says it so simply and it like it it is kind of universal in the sense of just like it's a social network and time and engagement. Right. And and so Facebook you post a picture of you out out on tour and here's our van. Mhm. Mm Spot, uh, Spotify or, or Amazon Music or any, like build a playlist of this is what I'm currently listening to while we're on tour. Yeah. There's a piece of content that is on that platform that's unique to that platform that your listeners can engage with. Yeah. And then you put your song at the top and then you tweet that playlist to yeah. Twitter. And, you know, it's just like so it's like connecting all of these networks together and just like figuring out how to like make sure that your brand sends the same message across all of them. Yeah. Can I ask you a question that I have a feeling of? Yeah. I think like for me as on the management side, I think that um, streaming services have to appreciate social media love. I think that it can't, you can't look at it as like a one-sided thing, right? Like I always try to encourage artists where it's like, cool, you got playlisted, you got editorial playlisting or you got love. Somebody, a, a human being at one of these DSPs, uh, gave you love mm -hmm. 
don't just be like, okay, cool. Like, where are my streams now? But like, show that on social media and show that you are appreciative and show that you support the platform because it is a person putting you there. hundred percent. Yeah. You nailed it. Like it's a partnership. Yeah. And I, I think that is the biggest miss that I've recognized being on the label side of not understanding the partnership. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I can't tell you how many meetings I sit in and it's like, so what's Spotify going to give us? Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like that just fucking drives me insane because it's like, no, 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 no. Like it's like, what are we going to give Spotify? Yeah. And in turn that what, what's, what's Spotify going to open up for us? Right. Or, or I, I shouldn't just tone in on Spotify because no. all these, I work with all these services. It's a popular one. A lot of people do talk about for it. For sure. But, but it's the, if you think about it, it's just like, yeah, like we need to be helping dr to drive these services and what their goals are. Yeah. They're putting us on this playlist because they know that this artist has a real fan base and a real reach that's engaging and are expecting, you know, us, we're going to get great upstream, you know, uh, increase in streams, but we need to drive those people to that playlist for that playlist to grow. Yeah. And so, yeah, to your point, it's important that artists and managers understand that when you get a playlist, even if you're not first, yeah. Dude, just do an Instagram story of just like, hey, we're we're on the new alt. So, you know, it's just, it's an education process mm -hmm. to understand that. And I think that's what, you know, I'm appreciative that I got to be on Pandora and to kind of understand that those were our goals. Our yeah. goals were to get our service to be the number one. And to do yeah. that is I need social posting from artists when we give them huge media campaigns. Right. And to do things like like pay attention to what these services goals are. Mm -hmm. and, and if you can help them reach their goals yeah. in that way, they're going to help you. Yeah, it's not just take. Correct. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's what the services are thinking. It's it's hey, if we we want to do something really cool cuz we love this artist and we're fans, we're going to help push this artist's album and we're going to do X marketing campaign and it's a great look. Yeah. You know, so that it's it's the same thing on both sides. For me, it's you just got to think of it as a partnership. And you know, these services like like for example, Amazon is very focused right now on the Alexa. Mm. The Alexa is, um, you know, their number one tool, new product that they're pushing. Yeah. And it's growing quickly. To yeah. me, that's the next phase of technology is voice. Yeah. And so, you know, they they look for artists to um, encourage their fans to follow them on Alexa. So, wow. for example, Alexa, follow the regrets. What? So now when anytime the regrets have an update or new music, there's going to be a yellow circle on my Alexa that's going to, I'm going to say, Alexa, what are my updates? And it'll be the regrets have a new song. Whoa. And so Alexa or Amazon wants us to help push this because they're trying to grow the Alexa and to also understand people's behaviors. Wow. And so if you do that, that, you know, that in turn, it's not a guarantee, but like that will help maybe unlock some marketing campaigns yeah. for the regrets on Amazon Music. Dude, and I, I love like, because I, I don't think if we talk about actionable steps right now, we can talk about what's currently relevant in 2019, but everything always will evolve. So I think the underlying lesson or feeling is how can you get creative and how can you just pay attention to what these companies are focusing on and give back.
So it's like right now, we don't know where that skill leads to, but you're paying attention and you know that right now. Yep. So you're doing that. And then when that evolves, if you keep paying attention, if instead of burying your head in the sand and not, not and ignoring it, you're always going to be there and be relevant and they're going to like you for paying attention. Totally. Totally. And dude, we're in such an exciting time in our, in our culture. Like Mm -hmm. it goes back to Gary V. Like, like we have so much access at our fingertips yeah and no one knows where it's actually gonna go like what where where, we got vr coming up and voice and yeah podcasting like yeah no one knows where all this is gonna go and so you know it's it's exciting to kind of like pay attention to that and recognize that and to try and be a part of it like who knows how this follow you know the regrets is gonna be have play out or whatever but like let's try it let's right. see what happens but i also love hearing that come from a professional like you like that is your job you do this as a job and you are saying we don't know where this is going but we're paying attention and we're working on it totally just so people know it's like there isn't necessarily a right answer mm-hmm. like it's not like you have to follow this method yep. it's just that feeling of care and that feeling of like trying it yeah and, yeah. and partnership yeah. For sure. It's all about the partnership. And I think what's really exciting about this job that I, I really love is that I loved being at Pandora and being at a brand and streaming service. But what this job allows me to is is I've I, I've I've taken it to the next level with my network and now I'm on the phone with all of the streaming services. And now my goal is to not only understand how Pandora operates, but how all of them operate. And not only build relationships with them, but also figure out how each of them differ and get in an understanding. So it's like, it's exciting to be back on this side because I get to work with everyone. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I mean, I uh, I think that says it. That's great. Uh, my very, very last question. Yeah. Uh, and I, I wanted to keep this one. I wanted to try to go short, but you just had so many gems. And it was oh, thanks, so man. like, oh, it's just so good. <laughs> But um, the last thing is like, if you could go back to a point of like turmoil or uncertainty anywhere in your life, uh, maybe it be that when you don't know where you want to go or at where you want to go after college, maybe uh, getting laid off from Pandora and not knowing what's next, but like whatever that time is that stands out to you, like with the most uncertainty, where would you go and what would you tell that Ben? Oh man, that's a great question. I mean, honestly, I definitely think that that the time was when I was unemployed. Yeah, for sure. Um, And what I would tell Ben (laughs) at the time is uh, you should have enjoyed it longer. (laughs) (laughs) The fun employment days. Yeah, Yeah, because that entire time I was so nervous of like, what am I doing with my life? I was waking up every morning and like, you know, and I, I, I've actually wasn't doing anything. Mm. I was just chilling. And so, um, I was always very nervous. And for me, I would kind of look back on it and just recognize that like, it's okay. Everything's okay. Um, things take a lot of time. So patience for me, like, uh, you know, I, I, I wish I would have been a little bit more patient. I got a lot, I got frustrated a lot with interviews and, you know, things take time. So like, you know, for me, it's like, I, I didn't really start looking for a job until like three months after I was unemployed. Mm. I should have started right away. Mm. You know, a lot of people kind of say, uh, uh, well, not a lot of people, but I've heard this phrase of like your first day on your job should be the first day that you start looking for a new job. Oh, well. Now, 
not every boss is going to like <laughs> like mm-hmm. that. But, you know, those kind of things take time of figuring out where to go next. So for me, it was just like being open-minded and, and being okay with like where you're at and knowing that like you you do have the skills, Ben, to like get to the to a new new spot and you will be back to doing what you were doing and everything will be okay. As long as you, again, go back to honesty, empathy, trustworthiness, and and just knowing that the universe will have a plan, everything will be okay. And and I was, I wish I was a little bit more calm through through all of that process. So that's kind of what I would tell myself. Fuck yeah, I love that. Yeah, man. Well, I think we did the thing. Did I, we do the thing? I I really like. I in my head, my goal was like clear, concise, and I just I knew you had a great story, and I wanted like. I apologize if it ran a little bit over, but like you just had so many gems and I loved it. I appreciate it. I'm always very nervous after the end of these because I always will think back. I'm like, did I, did I say something wrong or uh, did I do it right? Or did I cover everything that I wanted Mm -hmm. to cover? It's always nerve wracking. So I appreciate uh, that you, you felt like you got, you got what you needed from me. Oh dude. And I, I think that like, I would really like to think that the audience and the listeners would if you have any care of music or I mean even more than music, but like I think that you you have some really great advice for anyone. Yeah, and, and I, I'm always happy to give it. Again, it's like my network is the most important thing to me. So, I, you know, if anyone ever wanna wants to chat about streaming or wants it any advice, they can hit me up. I'm on Instagram, BL Farber. Cool. Um, so hit me up and uh, um, also listen to my podcast. Yeah, I, I was going to say, yeah, plug the pod. Where can they find the pod? So the pod is on all the major streaming services, Apple podcasts and obviously spotify so it's how the and then four underscore lines do i podcast blank Um, how the blank yeah how the blank 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 do i podcast because we had some issues with fuck yeah because it's kind of annoying to search but that's how you find it there's some fucking cops in the background not letting us denying us and shit fuck that fuck um so i think though to wrap yes um we need to do uh what we do on my pod which is 100% Farb Facts. Oh, shit. So on my pod, essentially, Marta has created what we call 100% Farb Facts because she thinks she, she calls me out. I say 100% a little too much mm-hmm. in my life. And so every time I say 100%, I have to give a Farb Fact. Oh, wow. So every time that I'm a guest on a podcast, we do the uh, rendition. So we're going to do 100% uh, Cram Facts. Oh, whoa. Let's Where are go. all my friends' addition? So I counted in my head each time. I think I said it three times. Wow. So you're going to have to give your listeners yeah. three cram fa- 100% cram facts. Oh, wow. Right on the spot. Just on the spot this right This is what now. Marta does to me. This is okay. the addition. So what do we well, give us some three facts that we might have never heard from you. Okay. Uh, well, might have never heard. So the first one that I instantly thought of, which has been talked about, but I, it's just been a hilarious talking point lately, is that I eat the exact same breakfast every day, no fail. Every day. Every day, no fail. And I, it, it's just become a funny talking point amongst my friends. And it came from my dad. I'm just, I don't care about food and I just need breakfast in the morning and I'd rather structure. So it's two boiled eggs. It's two pieces of raisin toast, both with (laughs) butter. One though with cheddar cheese. And I know that that doesn't line up, but it's just, I'm in it now and it's good. Wow. Okay. And then uh, typically an iced uh, latte that I'll make. Every morning, same thing. Every morning. How long has this been going on for? 
Uh, honestly, like a year. Not like it hasn't been that long. But yeah. It's been a tradition that I like a lot. So. Love that. That's that. a good one. Yeah. So we have that. Um, Two more. Another Andrew fact. Um, hmm. Okay. This is a funny one for the pod. Uh, is a lot of times like with artists or whatever, um, you know, like being an artist, like smoking weed or something like that comes up a lot. Mm -hmm. I have personally never smoked weed. Damn. And uh, I don't care. Like I'm not straight edge guy. Like yeah. I'll drink and like I really don't care. Yeah. But it's just a random fun Andrew fact. It's, yeah. It's it'll, like it'll typically get a thing. Like if you're playing Never Have I Ever, like the drinking game, like yep. you can typically get a finger on people because... I'm 28 years old and I've never smoked weed. Yeah, and being in the music business and going through never and smoking. Touring, that, that's yeah. that's impressive. Yeah. That's a good fact. I yeah. like that. One. So there we go. There's right. one. Um and then uh again, maybe people know it, but like my unreal love for cars and the like the automotive industry. Yep. I, I work in music, but I always like I grew up skateboarding and then I also loved cars and I got into music because I didn't want to ruin my favorite, favorite thing of cars. Yep. And music was always like that parallel where I loved it too, but I didn't play. Yeah. I think that's so. what's really dope about you in that sense is like for me, it was like, hey, Cosmo has facts. Oh, someone's here. He's got facts. He's got facts. Yeah. That's cause. <laughs> He's uh being protective of us. Um is for me. I was passionate about music, so I started working on the business. Yeah. You kept it separate. Yeah. Which was cool because it's still your, your past. Yeah. Yes, Cosmo. You too? Cause? Yeah, that's a hard one because like, I, I am passionate about it, and I don't think it's a good idea to do something that you're not passionate about. Yep. But it was cool to have two things that I loved and kind of be able to look at them and be like, which one will you have more fun and success business-wise and be able to make more of an impact versus like maybe this is okay being a hobby. Yeah. And maybe somebody else loves cars and music and they work in the automotive industry and they jam in a band every yep. Sunday. Totally. So, yeah. Totally. Awesome, dude. Good good cram facts. That yeah, was dude. good. You that put me good. on the spot there. I, I put was you not on the spot, for dude. that. Yeah, I know. But That's I why like, I didn't want to say anything because I was like, I didn't want to prepare you for it because I, I did that for another guest too when I was wow. a guest. Wow. That Boom. was good, though. I love that. Yep. So, like, because every time I have to prepare these farm facts. Wow. So, it's like, all right, you want me on your show? I'm putting you in my in my shoes. That's good. <laughs> That's good. So, there we go. There, that that uh, that usually wraps up uh, the pods right there. Well, we did the damn thing. Dude, thanks for having me, man. Dude, thank you for being a part of it. Yeah. Hopefully, this was helpful, and I'm uh, I'm excited to, to see it go live, man. Uh, yeah. Likewise. And everybody listen to his podcast because I fucking love it. All right. Out. So there you have it. Ben's episode. Uh, I really did love this one. I felt like he had such good, valuable, like actual takeaways where you could have like actionable items uh, as if he has a whole podcast about it or something like that. But no, for real, um, please do check out his podcast. It's one of my favorites right now. The at on Instagram is how the fuck do I podcast all together. And the podcast is how the blank, 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 blank do I podcast? Because I guess they don't like the word fuck in podcast titles. Uh, his personal social media is at BL Farber. So it's B-L-F-A-R-B-E-R. -E uh, mine, as always, is at Andrew underscore FTW. And if you did like it, please share it. That's been the best way to get the word out. Um, and then the last thing that I was going to say, because this one's actually really, really cool and we were talking about it in the podcast and we didn't get to circle back to it, but he told me right after the episode ended, 
but how he had mentioned Tommy Page earlier and how Tommy had passed away. So they had become close, and then later on, Tommy went on to be an executive at Warner. So the fact that Ben then ended up there was like a very cool full circle, kind of like a nod to Tommy. So I just wanted to say that because I felt like that was a really cool conclusion to everything as well. So there you have it. Really hope you liked the episode, and I will be back next week. Thanks for listening.